station closures ahead. Your commute around the city might take a little longer than normal. I'll tell you what to prepare for in the coming months so you can get to your destination on time. Up ahead, an in-person graduation ceremony may not be a pipe dream after all for Columbia seniors. Learn where it would take place and what you can do to make it happen. Class registration is this week. Need some recommendations? Stay tuned to hear some unique classes that can fill your core requirements. Lastly, hear about the latest challenge Chronicle staffers are doing this week. This is Chronicle Headlines. I'm your host, Paige Barnes. the worst news you could hear on your way to work. Train delays in Chicago are only going to get worse for some living along the red and purple lines. In the coming weeks, reconstruction from Lawrence through Bryn Mawr red line stops will begin, but there's more construction ahead. Argyle is next. Doors open on the left at Argyle. Joining me now is staff reporter Anna Busalaki with more on the red-purple modernization program. The red and purple line modernization project uh, includes the building of a bypass bridge for the brown line, which will go northwest of the Belmont station and carry uh, brown line trains over the red and purple line tracks. So this will uh, create a faster service, and this will be for Kimball-bound brown line trains. The reconstruction that actually broke ground this spring is uh, the Lawrence through Bryn Mawr track and station reconstruction. Um, So that includes uh, the stations Lawrence, Argyle, Berwyn, and Bryn Mawr, um, and then the tracks um, all the way throughout those stations that will be um, demolished and rebuilt two at a time so that they will still be running traffic on the other two tracks during that time. That is a lot of construction. I'm wondering when did it start and when is it expected to finish? The building of the bypass bridge started in uh, 2018 and should be uh, expected to finish in winter of 2021. And um, as I said before, the Lawrence through Bryn Mawr reconstruction started this spring and is projected to finish in 2024. Uh, But all of the planning for this uh, began back all the way in 2009. I look forward to when construction is finally over. That's always painful to go through. And then that makes me wonder, why is this significant? Like, Why now are they doing this? I spoke to Tammy Chase, the communications director of the RPM project, and she told me me that the red line carries about 70 million passengers prior to the pandemic. So it's their busiest line carries the most passengers and it runs 24 seven. And certain parts of this uh, red line are 100 years old or older. Uh, So they're in definitely um, levels of deterioration and in need of reconstruction. The sources that you talked to, what did they say specifically how they are being affected by the modernization? I was able to talk to a couple students who commute to their classes downtown and to work. One of them said that it's it's given 
her some delays where she has to leave a half hour earlier. And some of the businesses that I talked to, one of them said they weren't really impacted. Uh, Flower Bakery, they said that they did have an alley closure, uh, which is expected with this kind of construction, but they were still able to get their deliveries in and out. And I also spoke to Demira Restaurant, and they said that... uh, the CTA has been in really good communication with them regarding what's going on and how it's going to affect their business. Um, and she's the owner of that business said that currently they're just doing electrical work. It hasn't really gotten into heavy demolition yet. And she is a little concerned how that will impact um, the, the foot traffic for her business. I can only imagine what the CTA construction is going to do just because a lot of those places, like that's how I get around and get to businesses along the lines. So what is the CTA doing to help them? For the small businesses, uh, they launched the RPM Open for Business program, which is um, free promotional and advertising efforts from the CTA for these businesses that will be affected um, and businesses have to apply on their website and be accepted to be um, into this program. And it will also include social media promotion. And aside from uh, helping small businesses in terms of uh, riders, they'll be directed through signage um, to hopefully uh, clear up any confusion. And there will be, um, with the station closures, the Lawrence and Berwyn stations will be closed for uh, four years during this time, which is really a lot for riders that rely on those stations. So uh, they will be able to connect to the nearest stations uh, by the number 36 Broadway bus. And those are all ex- accessible to those with mobility issues. One of the small businesses that you talked to, Q Ideas, questioned the Argyle station um, is like, why now is it being improved? And so I'm sure that's the sentiments of not just um, Q Ideas, but what specifically did it say about the construction? One of the owners of Q Ideas was really confused because uh they said there's a, a really large elderly population there and their station has never had an elevator before. There's a lot of ethnic grocery stores there and, and people with their groceries don't have an elevator um, when they use the train. So it's it's been something that she said should have been there a long time ago. And she feels that it's 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 being there now because their their neighborhood is being more invested in now that they have this new uh big apartment building where the rent is really, really expensive. And uh, she feels that it's it's kind of like a, a why now is it just because we are starting to have these uh, additional like higher rent uh, apartments and things that is that why the government now wants to invest in us? Is that why the CTA wants to invest in this neighborhood? So uh, she hopes that they commit to um, actually improving the line during this. Speaking of investment and cost, what is the total cost of, or could you break down the cost of the um, red-purple modernization plan? The total cost is $2.1 billion, and it's funded by both federal and local funding. So $957 million of that is coming from federal core capacity funds, uh, which is from the Federal Transit Administration, and $125 million Uh, is coming from congestion mitigation and air quality improvement from a federal grant that Chicago, um, from the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning uh, that Chicago received. 
and then $622 million um, in tax increment financing or TIF funds are coming from the city of Chicago and the remaining uh, amount is from other CTA financing bonds. Wow, that is a lot of money. And I expected it too, just because they are redoing all of the lines. And you know, honestly, I just hope that the holiday train in future years won't be too affected by it. You can read Anna's full article at columbiachronicle.com. seniors would like to hear this song in person, but for now, Columbia students will be hearing it from the speakers of their laptops. Two senior public relations majors, Jamila Miller and Nathan Branch, have a tentative contract with Soldier Field to host a socially distant ceremony for 2020 and 2021 graduates, but they need a substantial uptick in contributions to make this happen. Here to talk about the latest updates on Commence Anyways is senior reporter Matus Janik. The contract includes like access to the stadium security, labor crews for cleaning and sanitation protocols. So nobody should think that, you know, these students are cleaning themselves and also access to stadium risers and folding chairs that, you know, can be evenly distributed or, excuse me, spaced out on the field. And, you know, so it's per COVID guidelines. When did Nathan Branch and Jamila Miller solidify this contract with Soldier Field? They got the contract around March 10th, so around mid-March. And they're just waiting for to see how many students kind of RSVP for the event page so that they can show whoever at Soldier Field, whoever represents them or whoever's kind of handling this tentative contract, the amount of people who are interested or to show that, you know, if they have enough. For this ceremony to go through, you know, it requires some lifting on the ends of students in terms of money. So can you remind me how much money this takes to go through and what is the current amount that they have raised? The initiative has an intended goal of $25,000 under GoFundMe, but the contract itself with Soldier Field costs around $20,000. So the extra $5,000 is going to go towards additional expenses. So we're talking about insurance fees, anything that goes basically along with hosting event of this size. Miller and Branch have pulled in outside people, you know, outside of Soldier Field to help with the ceremony. Who are they and what will they do? What's their role in this? Earlier, they had something uh, like a partnership with E96, specifically Gabe and Nina. I believe that one of them are, is an alumni of Columbia and they were interested in partnering with Jamila and Nathan on this student initiative. But from my understanding right now is that they pulled out and no longer are partnering with them on this initiative. So I think outside of that, they've received coverage from NBC5, you know, a short segment on one of their, I think, mid-afternoon, evening, or 
no, it was early afternoon uh, segments. So they had some additional coverage there too, but they're mainly focusing on just sharing through their social media. So you can follow them on their Instagram, which is at commence anyways. So that's all lowercase commence, C-O-M-M-E-N-C-E, anyways, A-N-Y-W-A-Y-S. You also reported on how other colleges in Illinois are handling their graduation ceremonies during the pandemic. So name a few and what are they doing? Specifically here in the state of Illinois, uh, right now we've seen a few reports. I know that back in March 9th, uh, Daily Illini's reported on some stuff at the University of Illinois and the University of Illinois, which will hold their commencement virtually. But the university is also planning an in-person private stage crossing for 2020 and 2021 graduates. Over the span of eight days, I think, uh, students will be allowed to schedule a 15-minute time slot that photographers, uh, to have photographers take portraits and videograph them for a live stream and record the event for a virtual conferral of their degrees. Uh, other places locally, maybe near Chicago, Roosevelt University, their commencement ceremony will be held virtually, but the school is also offering students the opportunity to cross the stage with, I think, the graduation walk events. I think that's what they're called. But right now, if you look them up, they're not up now because they use, I think, March as the month to kind of host these events. But right now, students are interested. They also don't have to purchase a gown. So if they don't want to do the event or attend the graduation, they don't need a gown. Despite their commencement ceremony being held virtually, also DePaul University is planning an event. So it's not going to be like a graduation, obviously, because they're holding that virtually, but they're planning some activities, some events over a 10-day period from March. So we're talking about from March 1st to March 10th. What is next for the Commence Anyways initiative? Is there any deadlines? When will myself and others as a student know if this was gonna if this is gonna actually come to fruition? When students will know when this will be kind of official is, I mean, first, obviously, follow their Instagram if you want to know any kind of immediate updates. I think that's the best way to check. But really, the deadline you should be looking out for right now is April 18th if you want to be a part of this event. Also, consider the fact that they're, you know, if they want to pay $42 for four tickets or essentially $7.50 for one ticket to attend this event. It's just on them. You know, I, I think that's the thing. Thank you, Matus, for following this story from, you know, start and to hopefully finish. So hopefully next time you come on, it's either, yes, this is solidified or no, we're not going to have um, an in-person component of graduation. You can read Matus's full article at ColumbiaChronicle.com. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? Balake. 
Where is Balake at? D-nice. Is there a D-nice? Now, A-A-Ron. Not all classes can be as fun as Mr. Garvey's, but at Columbia, there are a few that make the cut. Students must fulfill at least one oral communications, math, freshman experience, and human literature course, in addition to two English, science, humanities, and social science courses. With class registration this week, staff reporter Amina Sergazina joins me now to share some unique classes you can sign up for. I've looked at three classes, tabletop games and communities, uh, Bible as literature, and lasers and holograph. So I think all three classes are great and interesting, but if I have to choose only one to take, I would choose tabletop games and communities because I never knew that you can play games in the class and get credit for this. And it's always been my dream to make a game, like a physical one. The sources that you talked to about that class, what did they say you did or students do in that class? So, I mean, it's got to be more than just playing games. What do they get out of it? In tabletop games and communities, uh, Professor Brandon Riley, he said that the most important thing about this class is to brighten your horizon about what... um, tabletop games are because a lot of people just you know played monopoly or life but there are so much more uh to the tabletop game community and he wants people to get more like into role play games and to learn the structure and that it's you know a form of art um the other class um bible as literature it's not just reading a bible and it's not religious really study so you're studying it as a normal um book you would study like in any book so you would study the plot uh you would study who wrote this book what were the circumstances uh and what affected this uh, author the time they were living in What credit would tabletop games and communities fulfill on students' transcript? Uh, So tabletop games and community is CCCX 214. So it's going to be Columbia experience of level 200. What about lasers and holography? Tell me more about that class. So lasers and holography, uh, Professor um, Richard Brooke told me that Before he took this class as a teacher, uh, it was very book heavy and only at the last two classes of the semester, they would actually attempt to make a holograph. And he wanted this class to be very hands-on because he's very seasoned in the holography sphere. Uh, And so the class actually now starts with a hands-on experience. People get to play with lasers, look at them, and starting to experiment with them right at the beginning to be engaged. Does that class, is that a science-like elective, or is it just an elective? Yes, it's a science with element of lab. So it's going to be SL in your degree out. From the classes that you have taken at Columbia, what do you, what would you say is the most unique class you've ever taken? Oh, that's easy. It's story and fiction and film. It was my freshman year and it was an amazing class. So it was 9 a.m. on Monday and my each week would start with a new foreign film. We would watch a foreign film 
it would be heartbreaking story about like refugees that next week it's going to be a funny cartoon that makes fun of professional cyclists uh, they even showed a film from my home country Kazakhstan and I felt very proud about it and I learned so much and the papers were so easy there were really not much of criteria I honestly w- were just enjoying films I've always wanted to take a class where I can just watch films and get credit for it because I really love like you're getting paid to go to the yes. movie theaters and getting college credit no less <laughs> um, and you know I've actually taken the bible as literature before and it was a really interesting class because I don't think I've ever read the bible all the way through like a novel in the sense that you do in that class um, and I would also argue that my science class which was intro to horticulture where we would go to the Garfield Conservatory and get to touch and inspect the plants to see what infection looks like on the plants or like even just naming them. Um, And there were two, I don't know, the professor was very into it. And so when we went to Zoom, ironically, um, his house was exactly like a botanical garden. So he basically brought, you know, Garfield Conservatory (laughs) to his house somehow, which didn't surprise me. Anyways, the last thing I want to know is, Amina, are there any recommendations or tips that you have for signing up for classes this fall? Personally, what I like to do before I even think about putting the class in my schedule, I go to rate my professor website and I Google their name and see how difficult their class was. And usually if their class is more difficult than three, I'm like, "Mm, I don't really like this. Thank you very much, Amina, for the tip. I mean, I hope that that is is a good representation, but I also know that oftentimes people go to rate my professor when they're really, really mad or really, really happy for the professor. But hey, what works for you might work for somebody else. So to read Amina's full article, you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. Before I close out the show, I wanted to share that I've gone vegan. Two other colleagues of mine are participating in the Vegan for a Week Challenge. We're not eating meat, eggs, dairy products, or other animal-derived ingredients. So far, so good. It's almost like that scene from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Your hair. Didn't you know? Todd's vegan. It's not really that big of a deal. Okay, so maybe not the superpowers part, but I've tried vegan butter and cream cheese for the first time. 
it's been surprising to learn that things that I thought were okay, like some breakfast bars or cereals, aren't because they have traces of dairy. You can head to ColumbiaChronicle.com in the coming weeks to see how we did as vegans. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all these stories and more at ColumbiaChronicle.com. For additional coverage, we are at CC Chronicle on Instagram and Twitter. Chronicle Headlines is made possible by a collaboration with the staff of the Columbia Chronicle and WCRX-FM, Chicago's Underground under the leadership of Suzanne McBride, Chair of the Communication Department at Columbia College Chicago. Until next time, I'm your host, Paige Barnes.